Sometimes fear can paralyze you, especially when you're in the eye of the storm. So what kind of fears hold you back? That's today on our podcast. Hey folks, it's Karen G from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You know you can listen here each week to catch up on all of our latest sermons, and we hope that what you hear inspires you to continue on your own personal faith journey. We are currently on part five of our sermon series called Breaking News, the Gospel of Mark. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Good morning, Tower Hill Church Online. I'm Pastor Jason. It's so great to be with you again today as we continue our message series on the Gospel of Mark called Breaking News. Now, as you know, breaking news usually isn't good news. When that graphic comes across our computer or our TV or our phones, we're like, oh my gosh, what next horrible thing is going to happen? And we've been sort of making light of it a little bit over the last few weeks, but man, are our hearts heavy after the breaking news we had about the invasion of Ukraine. You know, we had talked about, you know, we were worried that it might happen and, and then it happens and you're just shaking your head and you're in such despair over this breaking news that peace has been interrupted and now war has broken out and everything has changed. But breaking news isn't just bad news. In fact, there is such a thing as good breaking news. This just in, this amazing thing has happened that is a, is a bringer of positive things or of peace in our lives. Like the breaking news of August 14th, 1945, victory in World War II, people dancing in the streets and kissing in the streets. The kiss, right? That really famous photo that peace prevails over war. And this is the idea that Mark is playing with when he writes his gospel. And that word gospel comes from a military term at the time, mostly military, that meant we have achieved victory over our enemies. This is the good news, the gospel. And so Mark writes the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And he explains who Jesus is, what he taught, what his purpose was, why he died and rose again, and what that means for us that it is breaking, earth-shattering, cosmic news of what God has done to break sin. Because sin has engulfed everything, like a volcano eruption, an ash that gets everywhere and creates a barrier between us and the sun. Sin has walled us off from God. But this just in, breaking news, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the kingdom of God has broken through in him. And you could be part of that kingdom. You could have a place in that kingdom. You are no longer have to be separated by sin. Jesus will forgive you and you can be in God's kingdom today. You could be with me in paradise, Jesus says to the sinner on the cross. And Jesus believed it was his mission to declare this breaking news to the world. He says in chapter 1, verse 15, just to review, he says, The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. The good news. Repent and believe. So, as we've talked about the last few weeks, Jesus is beginning his ministry around Capernaum, which is where he lived uh, once his ministry began, around the Sea of Galilee. And he was navigating the lake and the lakeshore, and he was crossing back and forth to these different cities in order to proclaim 
the good news. The first disciples he called around the shore of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And so this was really his, his early mission field. And people were flocking from all over to come to the lakeside and hear this amazing rabbi that we've never heard anything like this, they say. Someone who teaches with authority. This rabbi is different. He's healing people. And so the crowds were really pressing in on Jesus because, again, they had never seen anything like this. Now, living by the lake and working on the lake, every once in a while you get a storm come up on a lake. And I know some people think, well, it's not the ocean, so what's so scary about a storm on the lake? Well, I'll just say, have you ever been on a storm uh, on the lake during a storm? It is terrifying. I remember uh, years ago, my uncle and my cousin and I were out fishing. We're in a small aluminum fishing boat, and you know we're out there fishing, and everything you know the sky's beautiful, everything looks great, and the fishing was good, so we didn't want to stop. And we see this wall of clouds coming in, and the way it was coming in, it led us to believe like, oh, you know, we got a few minutes. Let's keep going. Let's keep fishing. And it seemed like just a few seconds later, we look up and and the storm was almost upon us. And you can see in the water little circles of wind, like little water spouts happening and getting closer and closer. And we see lightning and we see the rain coming. We're like, "Uh uh-oh, let's get out of here. And we punched it on the fishing boat. And this fishing boat, I mean, listen, it's not like some kind of crazy fast boat, but it's not slow. And we're going fast and we realized the storm was moving faster than we were. I had never been so scared on a lake in my life. Had we stayed out there, I'm certain we would have been in big, big trouble. So, well, you know, I mean, we get out there and it's like, we're going to need a bigger boat, right? <laughs> it's like, that great line from John. We're going to need a bigger boat. This little fishing boat is not going to cut it. And fear can really grip you. So, uh, interesting about fear, before we get into a storm on the lake story, Fear is our kind of natural response, right? Fear is our natural response to physical or emotional danger. And that's a good thing. It prepares us to survive. Like fear, there's a reason that we have fear. And fear usually happens, or I would say often happens, when we're feeling out of control. Like something's happening around us, we're out of control, and we think something bad's going to happen because we don't have control of the outcome we experience fear. Maybe you experience fear every time you get on an airplane because you're not in control. Or maybe you experience fear uh, every time you get in an argument with your significant other because you're out of control. I don't know what it is for you. But usually when we feel out of control, we experience fear. And sometimes that fear is imaginary fear. Or, Or our brains aren't operating on all the facts. And so we imagine fear, and even sometimes that imagined fear, that's just as powerful as fear in in the face of real danger, right? Imagine danger, we have the same response. More on that in a moment, but let's get to this passage from, it's the end of Mark chapter 4, and then we'll do Mark chapter 5 as we're planning to this week. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I can imagine the disciples were going to need a bigger boat, right? Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
Like, we're out of control. This is going to hurt us. Don't you even care? It's sort of like, I don't know. I, you almost get the sense of like, how dare you, Jesus? You're our protector. You're the one that's doing miracles and healing people. And, and you're sleeping in this moment of our peril, right? You, so, I mean, they're definitely, they're freaking out. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is a fascinating response from the disciples, right? Because, I don't know, if, if you were making up this story, you would think, okay, Jesus calms a storm. The disciples are like, yay, and we feel safe, and we have faith. And I, No, they're terrified. Interesting response, but actually this feels like a very real response to me because we're often freaked out by supernatural things, aren't we? I mean, this is like the premise of most horror movies, right? Is there's something in us that gets freaked out by this idea of some supernatural power, especially something that we see as dark or foreboding or menacing that we don't have any control over. We have a fear that rises up in us. And, you know, magicians actually play on this a little bit. You've seen some of these magicians that claim to be able to levitate, like David Blaine, or, you know, you see, uh, this is an amateur magician that was showing you how to do the levitation trick. But it looks like he's levitating off the ground. And I love it when they have a crowd around them. And their response is absolute terror. This happens even just with some of the card tricks uh, that some of these really amazing illusionists do or magicians do. People freak out because we're often terrified with the supernatural. So I'm not surprised at the disciples' reaction because I think you and I might be a little scared too. I mean, we couldn't imagine that. Even if we thought Jesus was the Messiah, I don't think that sort of power would even come across our brains that he displayed right there. The ability to calm a storm from raging to nothing instantly with just a word. And of course, we're reminded of who Jesus really is. Here's the thing about the disciples that we're meant to notice. They had every reason for faith, but they chose fear. The disciples, you know, again, if you were making this story up, you would think you'd make the disciples the ones who get it. And oftentimes they're not, which is great, gives us great hope, I think, <laughs> right? That we can hope to have faith in Jesus. Even the disciples didn't get it. Of course, we've had 2,000 years to chew on it, so I don't know, maybe we have the advantage. But sometimes our fear is imagined, and whether it's imagined or real, it prevents us from following, prevents us from moving forward. It paralyzes us, or it can. Think about times you've been afraid of things that you just imagined about. This happens to us all the time, right? We, we have fears that are to do with something that may happen in the future that are preventing us from living our life today. And I think when we sort of break that down, we're like, yeah, I don't think God wants that for me. I don't think God wants that for us. We didn't want it for the disciples either. He's trying to show something very important. Like, I am the I am. I am powerful enough. 
I am the God of the universe. You don't have to be afraid of the storm. I am with you. I'm asleep because I want you to relax. I'm asleep, but I'm not dormant, right? I'm present with you. And if there's something to be done, I promise you I will do it. I am with you. Why are you so afraid? You know, and you feel sort of a a little bit of frustration in Jesus. Why are you still choosing fear? You've seen what I can do. If you believe it, believe it. Believe you're going to be okay. See, fear is when I believe that being out of control will harm me. Faith is when I believe that being out of control will help me. What is faith but surrendering control to God? All right, God, you got this. I don't. And and it's going to be so much better because of that. The difference between faith and fear. Faith and fear are opposites. I think sometimes we think faith and doubt are opposites. I don't think that's true. Doubt is always a part of healthy faith because it's real faith. We're wrestling issues to the ground. I don't think doubt... Listen, Jesus didn't punish people for doubting. Even doubting Thomas. I mean, geez, that poor guy. He never lived it down. But he didn't kick him out, right? He remained a disciple. It's, doubt isn't the problem. It's fear. Fear will stop you from following Jesus. Faith will free you to live the life of faith you were called to live. Another interaction happens just after this, and here we go into chapter 5. They, were, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. First of all, a terrifying story, right? Terrifying. I mean, talk about being afraid of the supernatural. Can you imagine after the disciples just got through this storm experience and they were already terrified, they come across this person that clearly everybody was terrified of because of the evil spirits that were inside of him. I mean, this is like every horror movie right here. This is a terrifying scene. Jesus isn't terrified. Quite the opposite. The demons are terrified of Jesus. And they see a herd of pigs. Like, cast us into the pigs so that we don't have to, you know. Jesus is like, sure. And he casts them into the pigs. And the pigs all run off a cliff and end up drowning themselves. And when they came, verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his, in his right mind. And they were afraid. See what I mean? Like they were afraid of Jesus, the supernatural ability of Jesus. They were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Like that's how freaked out they were. Leave. And listen, 
I think there's a version of this. I'm not going to go too much into it, but I'll just say this. I think a lot of Christians, again, we like a tame, domesticated Jesus. And when we start thinking about the supernatural reality of the power of God, it freaks us out. Because like, wait a minute, if Jesus is God, that has meaning for how I live my life. Like, I have to answer to that. That freaks me out. That's a little scary. Can't we just have, like, easy Jesus? <laughs> Jesus light, right? Where I can kind of pull Jesus out whenever I need to get some help or reference something or help me live my best life now, right? But when we think of the supernatural reality of Jesus, it tends to leave us with a little fear. And that fear sometimes stops us from going forward. It's like, well, what do I do? I'm not in control. And again, fear and faith. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Right after this, uh, there's, there's this kind of strange interaction Jesus has. He's on the way. He hears that there is a little girl who, uh, who is sick. And so he's going. He, they're traveling there. And a woman who, it says she had this health condition where she was bleeding for a certain number of years, is trying to find, is pushing through the crowd to get to Jesus. And Jesus does, isn't even aware of this woman, you know, in his sight. He's not talking or interacting with her. She kind of like comes up from behind and touches his robe. And it says Jesus felt power go out of him and the woman is healed just by touching his robe. It's, it's this wild moment. And Jesus is like, who was that, right? I felt power go out of me. And, you know, she kind of raises her hand and he tells her this. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. This is wild that we just on the heels of the storm story, we have the disciples who had every reason for faith and chose fear. And then we have this, this sick woman and the formerly possessed man had every reason for fear, and they chose faith. And we're meant to see that we are supposed to be like the woman and the formerly possessed man. We desperately should want to go where Jesus is going. We want to follow. Jesus, can I come with you? We actually see better discipleship from them than we see from the disciples. And we're meant to notice that. And for me, I see the difference between what I would call church people and people who are new to a relationship with Jesus. When you're new, everything is supernatural and amazing and immediate. And I'm going to follow wherever you go. But the longer you've lived the Christian life, the more you become very comfortable doing very little. And I don't really don't mean that as a knock. I mean that just to help. Because I could fall into that trap too. I'm a pastor. I'm the ultimate churched person, right? <laughs> we need to desperately, we need to trust. We need to allow faith to defeat fear. Fear is when I believe that being out of control will harm me. Faith is when I believe that being out of control will help me. And chapter 5 ends with this incredible moment where Jesus looks at the sick girl and he raises her from the dead. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. You think? <laughs> but the way that chapter ends, it's like this great big punctuation mark. This is the God who rules over sin and death. 
Jesus is the Lord of life. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. With Jesus on the boat, why would you be afraid of any storm? You have no reason to fear and every reason to have faith. And if you fear, I promise you, it's going to freeze you up. You're not going to be able to follow. But if you have faith, what does Jesus say? You will see even greater things than these. Here's a question for you today. Where do you need a faith over fear reset? If you could just hit a reset button in your life, say, listen, there's this one area where my fear is dominating faith, or I can barely see any faith in it. It's like all fear. Maybe this is the day that you lift that up to God in prayer and say, listen, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's with just your circumstance. What would it look like for you to live faith instead of fear? To believe that being out of control will help you because you surrender to the one who is in control. The one who's on the boat with you. Who won't let the storm overtake you no matter what. I think this is what it means to have hope in the victory, in the good news of Jesus. The kingdom of God has come near. Faith over fear has broken through in Jesus. And if we believe it, we can follow. Amen.